Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about how to work with Latin America, specifically shocking revelations on how those meetings can go. Stick around. I'm going to talk to Guillermo Van Cruzen, who is a customer success manager working from Los Angeles with a bunch of customers all spread out through Latin America, from Colombia to Brazil to Argentina. And he, he kind of spills the beans, you know, how is it working with those customers? What do they need? How do meetings go? What kind of documentation you might need to think about localizing and what other aspects in the organization is important when you decide to work with that region. So stick around, listen to the whole video to be sure to hear all that good stuff. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Guillermo, welcome to our channel. So you've been in LA for two years and have you worked as a customer success manager in Latin America? Not physically in Latin America. So I've been managing the Latin American portfolio out of Los Angeles. Something that Flowcast, that this is where we've started with Latin America. In time, we want to build more of a physical presence there as well, but it's you know more early stages. So until now, I've just managed the portfolio out of LA. How many customers do you manage in Latin America? Right now, probably 15 or so. In different countries? Yeah. So we have a lot, a majority in Brazil. We've got the second most, I'd say, is in Mexico. We have in Colombia, El Salvador, a team in Argentina. So a little bit of everything. So you have a few customers everywhere. What language do they prefer speaking with you? It's a mixed bag. I find that in general, whatever country they're in is the country I'll go in. Like I'll speak Portuguese with the Brazilian clients and Spanish with the rest of the Latin American clients. I find that sometimes they'll enter the call and we start in English. When I first meet them, they're not quite prepared for somebody who who speaks Spanish or Portuguese. And then we jump into that and we usually stick to that. Sometimes we have international teams, right, where they have people like in Mexico and in Brazil, and they might have another team in Miami. Or something like that. And so we've got stakeholders from different languages. If that's the case, the common language will fall into English, but it's most effective when I just jump into whatever language they're in. Do you feel like speaking their mother's tongue actually helps you create a trusted advisor relationship or a closer connection with them when you start speaking their language? Are they like having smiles on their face and like, oh, thank goodness? Yeah, I mean, it varies. I think what if they speak very strong English, then I don't think they feel the difference as much. Yeah. But I would say that even if they do speak strong English, as soon as I jump into their language, I find that it's very, they're always, in a sense, impressed or they feel more comfortable or they're very excited to see that mm -hmm. they can work with an international vendor in their own language and feel that kind of touch and that personal element of it. And then I find that the cultural synergies really come to life when I go into their language. I think that they just come off as more of themselves and that really helps with the relationships. You touched on culture. Can you expand yeah. on that a little bit? First of all, did you ever work with customers outside of Latin America or is this your first time as a CSM? You've never done it before, so you don't really have a good comparison. I'd say, no, I've worked a lot throughout Latin America and outside of it throughout my entire career, really over the last 
10 years or so. My first job was in Buenos Aires for oh. Zurich, the insurance company. From then, I already began working with the Latin American teams 90% of the time, but also working with the, the teams out of the UK. And so I already started to sense like all the differences and that sort of thing. And then as a CSM, I have also a portfolio in the United States as well. And I can really see some of the differences, right? In terms of like cultural differences, I find that in Latin America, it's very difficult to just describe it as in a homogenous nature. It varies so significantly from country to country. I find the cultures of Brazil and even the regions within Brazil, you know, whether you're talking about Sao Paulo, Rio, or Bahia or something like that, totally different, each and every one of them. And then when you look at Brazil and Argentina, again, their differences. And then you come in with, you know, Colombia and Mexico, also just another completely different thing. And so it really does vary quite significantly. If I would generalize a little bit about, especially if I think about like Brazil in terms of the cultural differences, I find that there is a lot more of this kind of personal relationships that you build there that I don't as often come across with more like Western clients. So we talk about more personal things, right? In the beginning of calls, things like that. I know about their kind of family structures, right? I know about their interests, their hobbies, the things that they like, whether it's sports or arts, things like that. We tend to build relationships around those subjects as well as those professional relationships. Well, would you kind of recommend other customer success managers that would work with Latin American customers for the first time? And maybe it's not even important to generalize it as Latin American customers, but rather when you work with Brazilian customers, this is what the culture lends. So if you don't do this, it might come off as different or you might come off as standoffish. I'll give you an example. When I moved to the United States and we would go to the supermarket and then all of a sudden the cashier would ask us, how are we doing that day? Being Israeli, that came off as fake because in Israel, you don't ask people you don't know how they are because you don't know me. Why would you, would you care? I guess it's the, the way it feels. Then, you know, over time, we kind of understood, no, this is the way you are being polite. So, you know, it's just these little nuances. Every place is a little different. So what have you noticed maybe in specific countries that you've worked with in Latin America that if you were to talk to somebody who's going to be a CSM for those types of countries, what would you recommend? A few things. I think I can probably speak to just the approach and then really like the tactics that you can employ with that, right? So I think in terms of approach is, again, if I think of more of like Brazil, Argentina, it's to come into those conversations very open. It's a very honest type relationship. It's not so formal as I think you'd find in other parts of the world. Definitely like to your example, the how are you is extremely important. People want to know how you are, even if they don't know you and you're just meeting for the first time. And as a CSM, you want to build those relationships. And so actually asking those questions, listening to those answers, and then bringing those conversations and evolving them over time is very, very important. I think that's something that I find that with the Latin American region in general, you have to do. It's less formal. So you do want to build those relationships in that sense where you know them personally. And I think, you know, that's what really what leads to a lot of success in that region. Another thing that I find more in, in terms of like the actual CSMing aspect of working with Latin American clients and what you want to bring to the table is I find that I might set up an agenda, right, for what we're going to talk about in a specific meeting. And we might have 60 minutes booked or something like that. I will put buffers before and after my calls, really after, for additional time. I find that the agendas 
usually they expand in the middle of the call. Other people join who weren't exactly, even in the beginning, right? Other other stakeholders within the team, like an IT personnelism. That you were not expecting would join. It's not like you're yeah. 15 minutes into the conversation and somebody said, hey, you know what, let me join. It's more of, they'll say, hey, I have my IT contact because they had some questions as well. They're going to join and ask a couple questions. So, And that might not have been part of the original agenda. And so what I find with these Latin American clients, and especially I find it in Brazil right now, is that different stakeholders will join that you perhaps didn't expect. And they want to know about some sort of element of the project that they're going to be involved in. And they have a ton of questions. And so I often say, okay, add an extra 30 minutes to the end of the call because the conversations are going to carry over. And you want them to, right? You you love it, right? They're engaged. They're ready to go. They're extremely passionate, full of energy. And you want to take advantage of that moment and answer those questions and not be the one that says, hey, I have to go. Let's reschedule. And so just having that kind of frame of mind of, hey, I'm going to be versatile about my agenda. And I'm also going to leave some extra time because this can go so many places. It's not so structured, right? It's not that we're going to just hit these points. We're going to go a lot of places. In the end, we're going to get there. But the road we're going to take, it might go through a couple of exits and then back on the main road. But that's kind of how it goes. What was like the craziest thing that happened to you? That was like you completely did not expect it. But when it happened, you were like, of course. Yeah, I'd say it's not necessarily the, like a crazy thing, but I've been on so many calls where, like many times where I think I'm just going to speak to the main champion about we're going to troubleshoot something. And then I was on a call with one of my clients out of Mexico City and about 15 people were on the call and they wanted a demo of the entire product start to finish. And we had 30 minutes booked and I thought, okay, I wasn't expecting this. So I have to, you know, obviously get demo environments ready, everything as I would have had I known. And so that has happened more than once. And in this example, it happened where there was an entire department in a room, right? On a camera ready for a demo. And I don't do demos generally. I work with post sales, right? I don't do initial things like that. So it's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And of course, it's going to be in Spanish. And also with these sort of clients, it's not just I'm going to speak and you're going to listen. They're going to say, pero Guillermo, I have a question. It happens like that. And you're going back and forth until your structure, you can forget about it. It's going to go wherever it's going to go. And so that happens a lot. And that touching back to that original point, just being versatile, flexible, open-minded about how things go and just not being thrown off by things deviating is something that you need to get used to when working with Latin American clients, but I find it a lot of fun. It's a really important point because of a couple of things. First of all, as a CSM, don't come with a hard agenda. Know that this might happen. It might happen more than once. And when you hire as a customer success leader, you need to hire people that can handle this because I can tell you that if it happened to me, I would quietly freak out. I think that it's not for everybody. I come in, like I have an agenda, you know, I'm trying to be productive. It's, it's probably going to be really tough for me. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to come in with the agenda because it's not to say I've had clients in Latin America that are quiet. They're not like that. And they're not really coming in with a ton of questions or with agenda of their own. They're just, hey, what did you want to talk about? Let's do that. And so you, you still bring that, right? as you would in any conversation as a CSM when you come into the call. But in a lot of times, you might find that, hey, someone else has joined, an entire department may have joined, 
and I'm going to just let things go and, and just kind of go for this ride and we're going to go wherever we go. At the end of the day, you get to the same place. It's just the way you get there will vary from a lot of times with, with Latin American clients. So you mentioned some of these clients, you know, they're quite fluent in English, no problem. But do you have, for example, some deployment where you have a lot of end users and you actually need to work with your company to produce content in the local language? Is that even an issue? Or for the most part, your customer mailing or customer marketing is still predominantly in English? Yeah, our, our marketing and a lot of our written content is in English. Actually, I think all of it. We're starting to build content, especially written content in other languages as well. The good thing about and how it really works well at Flowcast is that we have a very human touch nature to how we do CSMs. We automate certain things, but we don't automate all of our communications. So a lot of our communications, particularly post-sale, is from the CSM handwritten. There's frameworks and things that we use, but they're going to be written by us, edited and everything like that. So that's where I can already start to change things into Spanish, into Portuguese, into whatever audience you know I'm speaking to. In that sense, it makes it easy. The other part of our CSMing is on calls, right? And that's, again, that sort of high-powered human touch nature that we have at Floatcast. And then again, just whoever I'm speaking to, whether it's Spanish or Portuguese. And our product itself is an accounting software, and that is a very international language that anyone, whether they don't speak English, they already know, for example, balance sheet. They say that. They'll speak Spanish and then throw in balance sheet, throw in English words. So it's very easy for what we do to not necessarily have to transform all of our product into multiple languages, even though that I know it's something that will eventually happen as our presence in the region grows. Okay. So what would be your recommendation for a company? First of all, on collateral standpoint, start with English and gradually localize whatever is necessary. What is absolutely necessary to localize? In your humble opinion, like if there was an unlimited budget, what would you localize? What would be the first thing you would? If I'm thinking of how to grow in Latin America and you know build a product that's geared towards that region, the first thing that I would absolutely localize is the people. I think that when clients are working with us, especially in Latin America, they want to have human conversations. In Latin America, just face-to-face -face interactions, like physical presence is a very integral way of working and always has been, especially when I think of like Argentina and Brazil. That's what people are accustomed to. Since 2020, all of that has changed. It's it's now over Zoom and that's fine. And a lot of that has translated into the Zoom room just fine. But the first thing I would say is you want people who can speak the language, one, and speak the culture and be sensitive to that culture and kind of have those skills of, I know how it works there and I'm ready to kind of take it on anyway. That's the first thing I'd localize. The second thing I'd say is probably support material. I think in terms of sales stuff, all of that, you're going to be doing it personally anyway. Once you have a client that's using the tool and they don't necessarily always want to have to ask for small things, having support material in localized languages is going to go a long way in their enablement and empowerment of how to use the tool without overly relying on their CSMs, even though they can, at least here, you can always rely on us. But you know, at times people just want to have that ability to do it for themselves. So I'd say that's probably the second thing I start to localize. It varies from SaaS company to SaaS company, but then the product itself as well. The plan for you guys is to, as you continue to grow as a company, the goal is to have you maybe kind of like grow into a team leader role and then start 
hiring people actually locally, physically in those various countries where you have different customers? Yeah, I think in an ideal world, that would probably be how it would look, right? You want to have people there, like I said, who can speak the language, speak the culture, and then develop that product expertise. They're in the time zone. They can go and do you know, on-site visits. I think that in Latin America, those are all the things that people want on a customer side. For us, you know, whether or not that materializes really depends. There's a lot of barriers to growing in the Latin American market in that sense and in the way that I described there. I don't think it's always easy. Conditions vary significantly from country to country when we think about things like inflation and how that impacts pricing. It can be extremely difficult and volatile in certain places. And so having a strategy for the region is very difficult to have one homogenous strategy for the whole thing. You know, having individual strategies for each country is probably the way to go, but even within each one, it varies so much from what you see in the United States or in Europe. And so there are times where it works better. There are times where it's not the right approach. And there are times I think where a lot of teams or companies would prefer to have the operations and everything out of here, find the language skills that you can, and then just have people that work and manage the portfolio from here. I prefer being able to localize and everything, but I think that it depends on resources and then how much risk you want to take with managing the volatility, especially when you're a startup and you need to maneuver things and you might not have as much buffer as perhaps if you were a huge, large corporation growing in the region. Guillermo, thank you so much. I learned a lot, actually, and I was definitely surprised about a few of the things that you've mentioned. So that was a really enlightening conversation. I want to thank you for sharing your experience and expertise working with Latin America. No, it was my pleasure. And, and thank you for having me on the show.